If you like weird history, true crime, haunted and paranormal, then pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a video component to our favorite Ghost Town episodes at youtube.com slash Jason Horton. Episodes like The Los Feliz Murder House, The Toxic Lady, The Black Dahlia, Janis Joplin's Hotel Room, The Haunted Roosevelt Hotel, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash Jason Horton. That's youtube.com slash J-A-S-O-N-H-O-R-T-O-N. And while you're there, please subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you. If you're a fan of true crime podcasts, then check out Ghost Town. It's hosted by Jason Horton. Hey, that's me. And Rebecca Lieb. And we discuss all places that are abandoned, haunted, or mysterious. Episodes one through three are out now. The Abandoned Hawthorne Mall, The Los Feliz Murder House, and The Comedy Store. New episodes every single Wednesday. And you can check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, and you could say hello on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Ghost Town Pod. All right, let's get into this podcast. It's the Friends Without Benefits podcast. My name is Jason Horton. Welcome to the show. Today I sit down and have a chat with Amy Castle. She's done a lot of television and she's known uh, for being young Allie McBeal on Allie McBeal, the show Allie McBeal. Uh, She's great. I've known her for a long time. Uh, She's super funny. She's super cool. And, uh, you know, this this conversation at some point gets, uh, I don't know what the word it gets a little intense, but not in a bad way. And it's something that I kind of uh, brought up and kind of um, moved in that direction. So kind of just letting you know uh, that that's out there. But I think uh, it was it was good to hear her perspective on things. I don't know. I just sometimes feel like it's only me out there in the world. Uh, no one else ever feels the way I feel. And it's always good to – not that I'm happy that other people might feel this way um, – well, you'll you'll hear it. You'll hear it. You'll hear it. Just keep listening, and you will hear it. Uh, but on on a on a different note, um, I look I look good in a suit sometimes if it if it fits and it's and it's tailored to me. And the black tux made that happen. The black tux is an easy way for guys to rent suits and tuxedos online. Got amazing new selections. Tons of fresh and complete new looks. You can take your style to a new level. It's one-stop shop for modern fitting suits and tuxedos at half the price of what even the budget rental companies offer. You know, there's wedding seasons here. I had a wedding of my own. Needed to look good in a suit. Going to weddings. And the black tux is going to be there for me. I know it. They're going to get my back. Because you know what? Sometimes you want to, don't want to, if you have one good suit, that's great. But maybe you're like, well, you know, I'm feeling like a different color. But I don't want to go out and like buy and own a brand new suit. You know, you want those those Instagram photos not to be of you with the same suit. I don't know. That's just me, and it's it's possible. Black Tux offers the kind of suits and tuxedo styles that would normally be wildly expensive to buy, and you might only wear it once. You know, like an emerald troll tuxedo. It's funky. It's cool, but that might be like just like a one time thing. You know, and the Black Tux can make that happen. You can you could. Do something different and take your style to the next level. With a Black Tux free home try-on, you could see the fit, feel the quality of your suit months before your event. It's important. It's important to see it and feel it. And I've, I've experienced it. 
I've experienced it. I've experienced the black tux, and it's been amazing. Uh, so after ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before your event, and if anything is less than perfect, the black tux will send you a replacement right away. And remember how simple returns are. You wear it, turn heads, and send it back three days after your event. The shipping is free both ways. Stand out at your event for the right reasons with the black tux. I'm, it was I went through the whole process. Extremely easy. Even for, I was just like, is this going to... So easy to get, to put on, look good, and send back. To get $20 off your purchase, visit theblacktux.com slash FWB. That's theblacktux.com slash FWB for $20 off your purchase. The Black Tux, premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, a new podcast, another podcast. I love, I love all the, my podcast equally. So it's not uh, uh, one is better than the other, different than the other. It's just uh, my interest, which I don't, really, I don't know if I really probably don't talk about too much on here, but I have an interest in uh, like ab- abandoned malls, amusement parks, uh, historical landmarks, places where movies and film, uh, culturally relevant locations, uh, historical landmarks. I'm just really, really obsessed with that. If you've ever looked at my Instagram, which is the Jason Horton, if you want to check it out, uh, you might see some of those pictures. I like to try to photo match things, especially I just did one with the with the Ramones when they were uh, on Sunset and Alta Loma in uh, on the Sunset Strip. Uh, they're from the '70s, and I tried to do my best to photo match it. Not I'm not trying to look like them, but I'm trying to like photo match that location. Uh, so I've just always been really into that. And my friend Rebecca, who's been on uh, this show a couple times. Um, she had the Boss Bitch podcast and then uh, her separately. And we've been writing and doing comedy together. And she uh, she's interested in the same thing. And she's also an expert in the um, the haunted. She gives like walking tours, uh, walking tours. She does uh, like a haunted storytelling show in L.A. So she's she's an authority on that. And uh, just I just I don't know. I'm just really interested. And it's true crime ish. It's not every episode needs to be true crime but the first three episodes are up now on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcast and you can check out uh the social ghost town pod if you just want to see if you just kind of like want to geek out like in a community because that's really what it really is for the, you know, the instagram and facebook i just like to share things and you know find what other people are interested in share that uh so I'm, i don't know i'm really excited about it so i hope you i hope you check it out they're pretty short, the episodes. They'll probably get a little bit longer. Um, but they're as long as they need to be. And, uh, yeah, you can get the first three episodes right now. What else are you doing? But to do it after you you listen to this. Um, but also, listen to this. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. Yeah, I know. Sometimes earlier. Take it from me. Well, I got a solution for you. Forhims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. Yeah, when you, it's like it's not when you notice hair loss, that's when it's too late. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's not like, oh, well, I'll just retroactively get it back. Doesn't work like that. Well, thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. Well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Keep it. Keep it. Don't lose it. No snake oil pills, gas station counter supplements, or like weird things you read on like a fitness board that they're that targeted to kind of sell you. Doesn't work. 
There's no waiting room, no awkward doctor's visits, and you save hours by going to forhims.com. So easy. You answer a few quick questions, and the doctor will review and prescribe you what you need. Products are shipped directly to your door. It takes all that going to a place and making an appointment and parking. Everything is 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 brought to you, <laughs> which, which is what I like. That's what, that's what I like, and there's kind of no excuse not to have it. You can get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today right now while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So go to 4 slash friends. That's 4 slash friends. 4 slash friends. All right, let's get into my conversation with Amy Castle. Well, you're here with two coffees. Two it's, coffees. It's, it's, it, it, two coffees and here from the gym. That's right. That's, I, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to promote real social media. So I was like, I could go home and shower and then go to see Jason Why? do the podcast. I was like, no, because who's got time to take a shower these days? You're probably, I'd say, I mean, I've done, I'm, this is you know, going into the 80s, but I've had recently probably at least including you four people that have come from the gym. Because fitness is a priority. It is, yeah. And showering is not. No. And you need to sound fit when you're talking. It helps. It helps the overall experience. You have to work your vocal cord muscles. Yeah. Yes. You do. I don't. You don't. Because I don't. you just are naturally. Nobody's interested in my hearing my. <laughs> or you're just, your voice is naturally no. so strong. Not, nope. Oh, not at all. Oh, okay. No, nope, just, there's just no need. Okay. Nobody's interested in me. <laughs> uh, that's why I put out my own podcast because nobody else wants to. <laughs> Branding so, uh, and marketing. I'm trying to like we met somewhat. <laughs> I was through, thinking about this. Yeah, so this is how I kind of like to start it off a little. I want to hear your version of this first. Okay. Um, I want to make it sound like it was in a really cool, like you know what I mean, like it was during World War II or something like that. But it back wasn't in, back in Nam. Yeah, we were Nam. Yeah, we yeah. were Nam. It was tough. And then we went to the Nam show. Yeah, then we went to the Nam. Yeah, yeah. Then, and it was Nam based. Uh, it was the Nam reunion. I'm gonna. All right, here's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it has something to do with two things: YouTube and a Super Bowl party. Wait, I don't remember the Super Bowl party. I think we were at a Super Bowl party. Oh, Stephen Glickman's party. Yes, I knew that. Yes, yes. comedian Stephen Glickman. Just brought, who is my neighbor? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. we're not going to tell the, you where, yeah, but he's my yeah. neighbor. I saw him at the uh, Hollywood Improv. I was doing a show there, and I just saw him there. But I, didn't talk, I mean, I haven't talked to him in a while. I don't think he he's great. Recognize me by now. Yes, that right. I forgot about that party. Yeah, yeah. but YouTube as well. Yes. Yeah, and uh, and, and you know what? Lively also. Yes. Remember, that was when we talked. Yeah, reconnected. We reconnected about that. Live streaming. Um, So you, okay, let's, uh, but I want to get, I want to start from the start. Where are you from? I'm from Los Angeles, California. What? I know. Freak. I know. Weirdo. I have two other things that are going to make me even weirder. Only child, homeschooled. Living this, in Los Angeles. This just I just got thrown. Can I have a couch? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is, I yeah, I mean, I guess I, this won't be Let's helpful. open it up. Yeah, this is going to make it worse. So you're <laughs> from Los, what part of LA? Studio City. So you're right in it. Oh, I am right in it. You were in, it's just, my, my wife is. It's in me. Yeah, it's in, she's not from, she's from Canada, but she essentially grew up in Los Angeles in the Valley. Oh. High school before I mean I don't know what the you know whatever and then she went back to Canada but then Amazing. came back then. so I'm always interested. So was she at one point actually your girlfriend who lived in Canada like Avenue Q? No, no, not okay. at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so you grew up in it. Was the entertainment industry part of that for you, or you just happened to be just happened to be here? So I always. 
I just came out of the womb as a performer, right. basically. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody in my family was an actor. Um, both of my parents are musicians in different ways um, and just artists in general. Um, do they still do music? They my my mom still writes. My dad, yes, my dad still does music. Um, Were they any bands? My dad was in a band in the seventies called Magic Days. Okay. Yeah, I think it was D A Y Z E oh, or oh. no D A Z E D A Z E. Oh, perfect. He can fact check it, but I believe it's Days D A Z E. They met at a pumpkin festival. Okay. I don't know where it was somewhere. Maybe it was Topanga Canyon. I'm just sure. gonna for the purpose of the story say it was sure. Topanga Canyon, and she was. Um, she was exhibiting her jewelry because she was a jewelry designer. Of course. And he was in the band. And on the break, he just, you know, isn't this the beginning of the next rom-com? Comes over to her table and is like, ooh, let's look at the jewelry. Let's check out the, like, hot woman selling her jewelry. And then I show up in 1990. Yeah. Just fast forward to 1990. That was a jump cut. And they were like, we're done. (laughs) They met in 76, I believe. Okay. And then I came along in 90. Came along in ninety, and they didn't. They just were like good with one. Oh, they wanted more, but mm. money. Sure, <laughs> you sure. know yeah. that little thing that sometimes prevents us from achieving all of our goals and dreams. Do you think being an only child? Do you did you ever like wish you had brothers and sisters? Or were you oh, cool? always. Yeah, I always wanted to. I just love people, and mm. I and that sounds really corny, and I I am careful around who I say that around because I feel like the cynicism of other people comes sure. out when I say I love people. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing the daggers. <laughs> no. no, not at all. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know. No. Um, I have five. I mean, I have come from a very big family. So. Oh, see, I see, and every time I talk to somebody that says that they come from a big family, yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I've my whole life always just, I seek out families, and I love families, and I love children, and um so it's fine. I'm like, oh, well, then, you know, one day I'll get to have my own. But I always loved being around people mm. and helping people. And that's, uh, yeah, that's just me in a nutshell. So I always wanted to have siblings and it just didn't happen. I asked for them. What was it like growing up in Los Angeles? It was really interesting because I have extremes on both sides. Yeah. So going back to like being growing up as an only child and then growing up homeschooled. Yeah. And so the thing that was odd about that, the choice, and I talked to some people and it's like some people, if you don't have, some people just have a, um, what should I say, a stereotypical view of homeschooling. We're like, oh, were you locked in a basement and, you know, like spent spoon fed like corn cereal, yeah. corn flakes, whatever, yeah. and you never saw the sunlight? No, that wasn't it. Um, the primary reason for me being homeschooled was actually through a distance learning. They call it distance learning program. That's how it works. Um, and the the primary reason for that was where I grew up in Valley Village, technically, which okay. is North Studio City. Sure. Um, I grew up right next to the Gelsons. If okay. anybody's listening yeah. to this and they know where that is, I grew up on Kling Street, that building right next door. And um, and so I, we didn't live in the district in Carpenter. Carpenter was like the good public school, okay. still is. But we didn't live in that district, so I don't know where I would have gone to school. But basically, my parents decided that they didn't think I was going to be able to get it. They weren't satisfied with the schooling system even back then in the 90s. So uh, long story short, they were able to find through something this woman who knew somebody, and they found out about this distance learning program. And um, you know, my parents didn't have a lot of money, but they were pretty crafty. And my dad is a musician, and he actually we bartered. They bartered for my education. 
um, from first grade all the way through high school um, by doing the recording for jingles and songs and things for the school. Uh, yeah, because I was my first thought was if you wanted to see like about homeschooling is that your parents were the teachers. No, it was actually a school where they sent me the books, and okay. I met once a month with my teacher, okay, Michelle Munts, Miss. I never and I never called her Mrs. Munts. I I always called them by their first names or Michelle Munts. Um, shout out. So <laughs> she was my teacher, and we met once a month, and she just would go over to make sure that I was doing you know the work properly. That you and could read. That I could read. Yeah. You know, and my dad just had a knack anyway for my dad is super super intelligent, um, but you know doesn't. He, it's fun. He's very humble about right. it, which is which I think also is a sign of his intelligence. Um, but yeah, so he would always correct my English growing up and uh, tease me, tease the likes and ums out of me. My dad's the same exact way. Really? He, he's, he has a master's degree, and whereas I dropped out of college so many times, but, <laughs> but he did like English. I was in honors English because he oh he really um, you know made sure that how how did that impact you? I guess I just. Didn't re I just didn't realize it until like I was like oh I guess you know I pretty good diction I mean mm-hmm. get a lazy you do, yeah. you do. I, I, I yeah can tell yeah I, I've gotten pretty lazy and plus I have you know from you know that New Jersey New York thing you can have a very like I instead of saying drawer I say draw draw you know, yeah like things like that like just just saying the wrong words but that was just would you be thing. aware of it though when you would say it. Are you, were nah, you, not okay. around my family. It was just oh, okay. the would words just, just flow. Oh, yeah, but when I'm around other people, I'm a little more conscious. I think. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you're, when you're around familiar things, you start to you know kind of assimilate a little. You bit. You do. Yeah, I think you do. But you don't have you don't have that kind of, I guess, L.A. kind of. No, I that and that's honestly, it's such a, a compliment. And anytime yeah. anybody says that, I, a lot of time I get, oh, are you from the South? Are you from Georgia? I got that the other. Are you mm-hmm. from Georgia? Mm-hmm. Are you from Texas? And every time I'll say, bless your heart. Um, no, I'm from Los Angeles, and I just uh, am aware of how I present myself to people and to the world. And I, I guess you could say, have executive produced the way that I present myself, yeah. and that's important to me because that's how you carry yourself through the world. So I always attempt to put the best version of myself out there. Uh, not being in a school with other kids, did that? Was there any longing for always? Yeah. By the way, already, I'm like, oh, this is the best therapy ever. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was with a therapist for two years who shall remain nameless, and this is way more enjoyable. And also, like, I've done a lot of just working through things on my own. Um, you gotta do the work, you know? You gotta do the work, but also it's about asking the right questions. If somebody, either somebody asking, and fortunately, like... You're a very, you know, intelligent guy and you're and also very easy to talk to and friendly and personable. And so you know what questions to ask to get somebody to open up. And not everybody not everybody knows those questions. So that's a testament to just where you're at in your life. Um but yes, I, I absolutely I was spent a lot of my childhood being lonely. That and that sounds really sad, but it's just the truth. And I actually am at the point where I'm really grateful for that. I guess why? (laughs) (laughs) Because if I had all these friends around, and for me, this is just for me, everybody's different. Um, I mean, think of like every Disney movie, the parents die or something traumatic Mm. happens, and then they go and they overcome all this stuff and they become a better version of whatever. Not, it wasn't death or anything, but there was a lot of, you know, dysfunction and things Mm. growing up. And a lot of, it, it allowed me to 
develop my awareness and critical thinking and problem solving. And so at eight, and I've never like really publicly said any of this, and so I was like, oh, this is a great you know time to say it. At eight, I decided that I wanted to be an actor because I looked around and I said, okay, I have two parents that love me very much. They do not know how to market themselves. We are struggling financially. So you were keen on marketing pretty early on. Oh, I, at eight years old, I think it might have even been seven, I created something called Amy's Art. This was my business. And I don't know how, it just, this is who I am. I would, my aunt gave me seashells and and I loved painting and drawing and sketching and everything. And so I would paint these seashells. I'd put stickers on them. And then I would go, my mom taught dance at the YMCA in Glendale and I would help her. And I started dancing from the age of four. I grew up in this, it's a whole nother thing, but I dancing, singing, acting at four, I started because I wanted to. What was your, what was your parents' point of view on you? I guess, you know, since starting at four, yeah. wanting to be essentially an entertainer. I, I begged them for it. Okay. Well, my dad, my dad, <laughs> my dad loves binaural audio recording. If anybody listening knows what that is, it's basically just... Jake? Binaural? <laughs> you know about binaural? Or... No, he okay. doesn't know. Okay. Oh, I'll tell you, Jake. Well, listen up for this. So binaural is super cool. Binaural is you have um, two microphones that the, the, the person, the user, the wearer, wears them hooked over your ears, and it records in stereo. So it records a perfect replica a memory of what you heard and so when you put headphones on you can play back and literally time travel back to that memory yeah (laughs) and what's that useful for uh my dad recorded my entire childhood in binaural and so you listened to yourself he i've listened to this talk about trippy i heard my own birth from his perspective an audio recording he binaural recorded my birth you know, I, I'm surprised. Why doesn't he just release that? I'm sure people I know, want to, yeah. I know. And and honestly, my whole childhood and upbringing, he was like, he has this whole thing called, uh, he calls it Life with Amy. He, my dad, this is like the craziest thing ever, but he filmed my whole childhood and then he moved away to Ohio and it's like a crazy saga of a story. And the the warm, fuzzy thing at the end is now my dad is my best friend and we're okay. super, super close. Um, and he actually rode with me in the car. <laughs> so he's hanging out right now because he doesn't he have should have been right in here now. I want to hear more about this I binaural know. thing well he yeah. can tell you anytime yeah. my dad is awesome um, but so he yeah he binaural recorded my entire childhood and and then also did video recordings and in 2003 he had time and he chose to um, he actually chose to take the time sit down and edit the highlight reels of my childhood the greatest hits basically the greatest hits like move over Beatles I have the greatest hits of my childhood I mean, essentially, your documentary already exists up uh, until a point. That that movie, Boyhood. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, but like so much more. And then the Goldbergs came out, and I saw that Adam Goldberg always has these little clips, and I'm like, oh my god, I have so many of those. And for years, my dad's like, Amy, you know, we can release this. We can release Life with Amy. And I was like, no, I just for whatever reason, sell your past. Yeah, sell th- your. That's past. how it felt. I was like, I don't want to sell out. And there's like, no, there's something special about it. Because I always wanted to forge my own path and 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 not become famous, but like be known for what I do as right. an adult and as a person, and then be like, oh hey, here's here's me. Sure, that was always very important. Not to go, me. not almost making a reality show about yourself no, first. Yeah, because that's not what I want to be known for. Because it's not about me. It's never been about me. And even if we like now segue into YouTube. Um, I've had so many ups and downs with YouTube and I've, I've, I've struggled with consistency on that platform because I didn't know how to ask anybody for help 
and I couldn't afford to pay people. So I, out of necessity, had to learn to do everything myself. But I don't like doing – I like it, but I love people. So – And plus you always want people that can – so you, you can't do 100% – 100% sound, 100% video, 100% you're acting and performing and marketing like without losing something somewhere. Well, right. Mm. And I've and I've gotten to the point now where I'm I think I've gotten it to the point where I can do the best I can on that because mm. I actually have taken years and taught myself about sound. Which is I mean it, it at a necessity you learned something. Out of necessity I learned so yeah. much. And that all came from, you know, working I started working as a as an actor at eight. I was young Allie on Allie McBeal, and I, my dad said, this is all about my dad. This is what's so funny. <laughs> my dad says, don't come home without the part. So so at like age seven, because that's when Allie McBeal came on the air in like 97, my grandpa starts telling me, because my grandpa was a huge TV buff, he says, you look like this girl that's on TV named Callista Flockhart. You should just write into those producers and send in your photo and say, look, I could be, and I said, grandpa, that's not how it works. I knew it. I knew that's not how it worked. So, um, but then I get a manager and the manager says the same thing and then the agent that she sends me to says the same thing. And I say, that's what my grandpa said. And then anyway, like, I'd had two commercial auditions, no, four commercial auditions. The first commercial audition ever was Kraft Mac and Cheese. And I was so excited for Kraft Mac and Cheese because my mom was so strict of my diet growing up and all organic this and that before it was trendy. But the only time I could eat what I wanted to eat, she wouldn't tell me I couldn't eat it if it was for an audition. So I'd go in, and I <laughs> probably seemed like the starving child yeah. because I went in, and I asked, "Can I have another one?" <laughs> yeah, where most people are like, "Ugh, I don't want to eat this." I yeah. I when I got that call for Kraft mac and cheese, I was like, "Thank God I get to eat macaroni." Yeah. So the fourth audition though was for Young Allie on Allie McBeal, and my manager calls and says, "Okay, there's an audition for this role," and we're like, "Oh my God, this is perfect." She's like, but they're not accepting any more people for it. And I'm like, oh, my mom's like, oh, gosh, okay. So she's calling, she's calling. They don't respond. My agent finally says, no, 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 we got to get her in. So they fax back in the day. Millennials listening, we used to have a, a method of communication, transferring information. It was called fax machine. And they faxed over my headshot. And then they say, okay, we'll see her. So my dad says, don't come home without the part. My mom drives me down to Rally Studios in Manhattan Beach. I sit there in the waiting room like the perfect child doing my homework. And like I'm like, I'm going to get this part. I'm so excited. I go in. The episode is called Making Spirits Bright. And it was about – because like Alan McBeal was very um, – it was a great show, honestly. David E. Kelly was such an amazing showrunner and executive producer. But it was um, – very fantasy they yeah. had a lot of flashbacks and everything so this was about she was representing a client that's that said he saw a unicorn and there was some sort of a lawsuit where they're like you're crazy and and so the scene is the man that she's representing says to her you've seen one haven't you and she opens up to him and flashes back of when she herself saw a unicorn so in the audition I go in and they say okay so you're seeing a unicorn so they talked me through the whole thing and I imagine petting it I say, okay, that's great, thank you. And so my mom starts uh, driving me back home, and I'm a big believer in like manifesting and you know that whole thing. So the earliest time I can remember doing this, I'm in the back seat, and I'm as a kid, as kids do at eight years old, I'm like, hello, oh, what's that? I got the part, and I'm pretending like I got the part on the phone, talking to my agent. 
So we get home. I walk upstairs. My dad has the camera rolling. And he says, so how'd it go? I said, oh, I think it went pretty well. We have this little mini DV8 tape or whatever. I have to find it and digitize it. Because he says, so how did it go? I said, oh, I think it went pretty well. And he says, well, guess what? I said, what? He said, your agent called. You got the part. <laughs> so what was that like? A dream come true. Yeah. I got to work with everybody. on. I mean, the thing that's amazing about that show is the majority of the people that were on that show are still relevant today yeah. and still have thriving careers. And every single one of them were so kind to me, so nice. Um, I mean, there was even a time where and it was interesting. I remember, so at eight, I was then working and making more money than both of my parents combined, which was a very odd situation to be in as a kid. And I tr tried to handle that as best I could. But it's interesting because you, you get put into situations that you don't normally get put into. So for example, I went out after I did the first, uh, first episode of Ally McBeal, um, there was an audition for Mad TV. And my mom took me to the audition, and I haven't seen this in years. I think they, they I think they kept it in because I remember seeing it. I'm pretty sure. Well, they were doing a, as Mad TV did. They were doing a spoof on Ally McBeal, and they were doing, oh, this is look the new the new Happy Meal from McDonald's, and the toy is a little Ally McBeal, and she comes with her own little personal sized toilet to throw up into because this was the time when Wish, yeah. Calista Flockhart. They were saying that she was anorexic, right. bulimic, the whole thing. So I don't know if the time, if they even knew. I know they I think they did. They knew that I was actually playing Young Alley. So from a producer standpoint, how perfect to sell your joke. And so I go in and I audition and they right then and there say we want her. My mom pulls me aside and I think this was so cool that my mom did this. And she says, Hey, she says, So, what do you think about this? And I'm eight, you guys. I'm eight. And I say, I don't know. She says, Well, you know. Because we didn't know what the script was ahead of time. They just said, you have an audition for Mad TV, and we're there. So she says, you know, this is not in really, you know, good taste. Sure. And Somebody has to get burned for this. Yeah, and she said, you know, how, do, how would you feel if somebody was making a joke at your expense like this? And I said, I don't think I would feel very good. And she says, so what do you want to do? And I mean, I thought, honestly, like, that was mm. so cool of yeah. her. I said, I don't want to do it. I don't feel mm -hmm. right about it. So we turned it down. Fast forward the next episode that I'm on, because I went on to do seven more episodes of Ally McBeal over two years. The next episode, I'm there maybe maybe like a couple months later, and Callista comes up to me on set, and she pulls me aside, and she says, hey, I heard that you turned down that yeah. Mad TV thing. That was really cool of you. Yeah. And so that's the way I try yeah. to operate my life. Yeah. Uh, so from there, so what is what is now, now you've, you know, you've done some – did Alan McBeal, is it, is it still like auditioning and that kind of general? Oh, yeah. A lot of auditioning. I mean, from 8 to 14, I was You're saying in that it. child star. I mean, It's you know. a weird term, but, yeah, but I was – I worked every year. Yeah. I worked every year. I, I mean, I think about now that it's been – I can't believe it. Uh, next year – will be the 20-year anniversary of getting my SAG card. <laughs> it says 1999. What I've, is yours? Mine was 2001. Okay, okay. So, so we're about neck yeah, and neck on that. Sure. It's a really surreal experience. Yeah. To, and where, you're from New Jersey or New York? Both, I Okay, guess, okay. So, um, yeah, like, well, here, wait. How? When did you move out here? I'm also, I love interviewing and I love people, so this is going to be like a back-and-forth interview. Oh, me? Uh, <laughs> I moved, uh, moved to, from New York to San Diego in 2002 and then to L.A. in 2006. 
Okay, so it's been 12 years that you've been here? Yeah, I don't like to okay. think about it. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you know, I mean, you know that the struggle is hashtag real. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. Um, but I totally, you know, I commend you on doing that. This is this is the kind of stuff that we have to do as creators sure. and find other people that share our visions and things. So it's cool. Um, but yeah, no, I from 2000, sorry, from 98 to 2004, I was in it. I mean, I was going out multiple times a week, and now I'm at the age when I look back on it because I'm I still want to act, but it was like it's like acting took a break from me. It was bizarre because I worked from eight to fourteen, and then had a I didn't book for three years because I looked older. I basically grew up at eleven, hit five three at maybe like twelve or thirteen. Completely developed for the most part, looked like I was 18, and then didn't work again until I was 17. Yeah, did you go to a regular? Did you go to high school for high school? two days? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so because I was a homeschooled only child, actor, quote unquote, child actor, weirdo, um, I really wanted to have the high school experience. I was like, Mom, Dad, I need to. I'm so weird. I'm so different. So um, we somehow find this magnet. And then also, you know, I had – they they were very cool that they didn't want me to spend all my money. And I wasn't making that much. I mean, I was making money, but I wasn't making, like, go buy house money at all. Because, I mean, you can do the math. Eight episodes of Ally McBeal of a television show where I'm not a series regular and we're just recurring. It's good, but it's not – you know, it's not amazing. So um, – I'm gonna say two days of high school. Thank you. <laughs> Every now and then the brain loses yeah. track. So, so two days of high school. So I go and they um, enroll me in the magnet program, the lottery. So I guess then it's like okay to be accepted if you're of a lower income. There's a, a lottery, and so I got chosen. Um, and so this was for Hamilton High, which is in West LA. It's a really great performing arts magnet school. They have the regular school. And then they have the magnet program, and they have a certain amount of seats for it or whatever. And their um, theater department was, like, Broadway quality. Honestly, I went to see shows at very, very great school. Um, so I go, and I get accepted. And I actually uh, – a girl that I grew up with at the performing arts dance acting school um, that I attended since I was four – she was enrolled as well, and we were the same age, so we were going to get to go to school together, which was I was super excited about. But on the first day, I had a callback, <laughs> and I missed, like, four periods of class. And then also that meant I was going to stick out like a sore thumb. And so I was like, right away, I was going to be different from everybody else, which when you're 14 years old, that's not necessarily what you want to do. So I had the, you know, the break, uh, was taken out for the auditions, went back, and then the next day, <laughs> I always loved learning, and I loved math growing up. And then around age 12, my teacher, Michelle Munz, all right, Michelle, this is what happened. You thought I was doing so well in math that was decided by Michelle and my parents to up me to half algebra, which was a big deal. And... The thing about that, though, is that I was lost. I didn't know. And I also am not really great at with just asking people for help because the Amy Castle slogan is I want to do it myself. Like, I've been saying that since I was born. So I didn't know how to ask. And I then just did worse and worse and worse and worse in math. It, worse and worse and worse and worse in math. And so uh, 
that followed me, transition, cut to, I'm in Hamilton High, I'm in algebra class, and they say, okay, the teacher goes around, okay, class, this is just going to be a little refresher to see what everybody remembers from, you know, the last year, and they put this test in front of me, and I'm sitting there, and I start doing the math. Well, I would figure it out in my head and then write the answer. I'm weird, so I would do that. And then I'm doing that for all the questions. And then I look over and I see out of the corner of my head or my eye that everybody else is, they have like all these equations written down. And I'm like, uh-oh, I don't, I don't I don't know how to do that. I can get the answer, but I don't know how to do that. So I panic and I try to backtrack and like, <laughs> it's like so epic in my mind. I try to get it all down. And I was like, I failed, I failed, I failed. So I turn it in and... I went and I talked to my parents and because that was school started on a Thursday and then that day was a Friday. So I talked to my parents and I basically said, you guys, it's not going to work because of my acting schedule and everything. You don't want my school to suffer, la, 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 la. They were totally in agreement. I went back to homeschooling. But, what, but didn't you, did you take a place of somebody that could have had that lottery thing? Yes, and that was the other thing. I actually ended up finding okay. later on that this guy who really wanted to go was able to go. Okay, so it great. worked out so well. Great. But the real reason I didn't go back to Hamilton High you guys, was I was so terrified to set foot back in that math class and see that I failed. Yeah. Because I knew I was going to fail, and I'd never failed before. So that was a big thing. And I look back on it now, and I was always smart, but I was just so afraid that the world was going to end if I failed Mm -hmm. a test. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of uh, across the board for a lot of people. You yeah. Know, you a lot of pressure on that. It's a lot yeah. Of, uh, TV shows and movies, it's always like, oh, I failed the test, or you got to sign this thing. Or... And the older we get, the more we realize that, oh, that's totally normal. Yeah. But as a kid, you right. think you're the only one. And that you put a lot of, you put all your value sometimes into that. Yeah. So what do you, so like, so now like a high, the high school times, did you go to college? I took one college class. Yeah. Um, again, because didn't have, you know, when I turned 18, I got the money out of my Coogan account, and it was okay. It was you know, I, speaking of Coogan, I've yeah. had uh, Keith Coogan has been on the show, and his Who's grandfather is Jackie? The, is Jackie Coogan. Whoa! Yeah, so shout out to Keith. Shout Check out that episode. Out yeah, Keith. That's yeah. amazing, because yeah. his, you said grandfather? His grandfather. I think it was his grandfather, yeah. His grandfather... I mean, really, mm-hmm. that law, because I think it was his his yeah. his grandfather, it was, I don't know if it was his parents or somebody, but they he didn't have any of his money. Yeah. And so this law was passed for child actors that uh, parents can only take a, or no, no, it's the opposite. I think it's 15% mm-hmm. or 10, some percentage, it maybe has changed over the years, um, is deposited into a fund trust that, mm-hmm. that you cannot touch until you're turned 18, which I think is great. Fortunately, my parents, um, they just reimbursed themselves for gas for the mm-hmm. mileage to take me around to auditions, but they didn't take my money. They weren't was, profiting. They were certainly not profiting, yeah. which I, you know, I am more fortunate than many sure, kids. Yeah. Many kids. Um, but yeah, so where was I? On so that? now, like, <laughs> so like what now? What like when did you get into the YouTube stuff? Mm. Great question. 2005. Okay. Good time. Uh, good to get, time to get into it. I was having a conversation with my friend. Um, we another. She was another child actor, and we were really good friends. And we were all about all that and the Amanda Show and sketch mm-hmm. comedy and everything. And at the time, there was actually I don't remember the name of it, but there was a competitor to YouTube out, and it was like TV something or other. I don't remember what it was, but I remember the call, 
vividly. She calls me up and she goes, okay, so I think I know what website we should upload to. It's called YouTube. I remember this so well and I kind of get chills every time I think of that. I was like, okay, YouTube, that sounds cool. And I remember when YouTube was one page. Mm -hmm. You remember? Yeah. It was one page. It was so cool. So you could upload a video and then wait and refresh and then you'd be like, oh, there it is. And then I remember it was a real big day when there was a second page of videos on YouTube. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. And I remember when it was like evolution of dance and all these like early, early, early videos. So we started doing that. And I had no idea what it was going to turn into. I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Now it's like, boy, if, if we just knew hashtags and yeah. subscribe to my channel and sure. all that stuff in the very beginning. Yeah. But it's yeah, the, the evolution of it, it's hard to know what's gonna You don't know. Yeah. But it's it's interesting to see where it's where it's come. But so yeah, I started in two thousand five. Um I actually had uh YouTube.com I still have it, I think youtube.com forward slash Amy Castle. That I that username uh was actually it was prior to Sandcastle Inc. Sandcastle Inc. was created as a partnership with my friend Aaron Sanders, um, who is the one that this is what yeah. happened. We were um, planning on doing videos together. And so it's just the person I am. Again, I was looking for a partner. I didn't want it to be all about me. So I was like, Mo, I, my last name's Castle. Your last name is Sanders. That's perfect. Sandcastle Inc. And then it just ended up working out. Our schedules didn't match up. She went in a different direction. And I basically just was like, well, I'm going to do the channel. So that's anybody that wonders why my username is Sandcastle Inc. That's why. Um, So then I just started uploading videos on that channel. And I know you had uh, Amy. What's Amy eating? Was Amy eating, yes. Yes, yes. And that was specific to what, like, uh, health or? It was created, I'll be real honest. So what's Amy eating, first of all? Nobody could ever say the name right. It's yeah. so funny. It, they, and that's uh, that was kind of like its curse, I have to say. It's like people would say, oh, well, what's, Amy, what's eating Amy? And I'm like, I've never heard that one before. Thank mm. you so much. Yeah. Or what's Amy? What's, I mean, they just, all these versions on it. So, um, yes, what's Amy eating? Ah, I don't even know if he knows this. So I came up with that concept at Hugo's with a boyfriend at the time. And Which Hugo's? Uh, the 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 Hugo's in Studio City. Okay. So I was there with my boyfriend at the time, and who do I see at a different table? Shane Dawson. Okay. So I see Shane. We'd never met, but I'd watched his videos, and I was a fan of his. And this was right at the time when he was going through a lot of family stuff. He was posting about it. I think his grandma was passing mm-hmm. away at that time. So I was talking to my boyfriend, and I was like gosh, look at him. Look at Shane. Like, he's so talented. He's, I mean, I had just, from the beginning, from day one, I admired him so much and I could see how much talent he has. And so I said, see, like, he's doing it. He's going for it. I wonder, like, what could be my thing? Because at that time, we'd done, like, Aaron was not really in the picture for doing the videos anymore. It was like, okay, what's the next chapter? What can I do? And auditions were slowing down because I looked like an adult and I was, well, at that point, Ooh, oh no, this was a little older. This was we're talking 2010 now. Okay. Um, so I'd been working, but there was stuff with representation, which is a whole other story. So I'm like, I don't know what should I do. And he says, Well, what if you did videos on food? And I was like, Huh, that's not a bad idea because my mom's a personal trainer, and um, my very first boyfriend when I was 17, from 17 to 19. 
he really opened my eyes to food and to culinary. And he would say, he would say, you know, life's too short to eat shitty food. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you're right. And I mean, he was, it's funny, he and I have not spoken in many, many years, but I've, I've always wanted to have a conversation with him at some point and just thank him because now he's actually a sommelier. Okay. Um, and that's not a very hard or not a not that's not very hard to do. Yeah. It's not a very easy job, so you really have to work and know your stuff to do that. Um, but he was absolutely my inspiration to start doing what I was doing because I, you know, grew up not wealthy. And if my mom and I went out to eat, we shared a meal at Kukuru, yeah. and six dollars for a meal was a lot of money. Yeah. So. I get my Coogan money. Yeah. <laughs> and he and I start going to every sushi restaurant on Ventura Boulevard, yeah. sitting at the bar. And There's that's... so many great places on the Oh, yeah. we went to a place called Tama. Now it's um, Kwame by Katsuya. Okay. It used to be Tama. We would sit there and come in and be like, I'll have two orders of tuna, two orders of yellowtail, yeah. two orders of albacore. And that's where I spent all my money was on food. <laughs> and I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Not mad about it at all because I actually invested in my palate yeah. And now I know food, but so I didn't go to culinary school. I just went to a lot of restaurants and re- would sit. This is my, this is the Amy Castle special. Sit at the bar, sit at a table, read the menu, order the food, and eat the food while you read the menu. And I would basically be internalizing the ingredients while reading what it just was. Just absorbing in every direction. Literally just be a sponge. So as I'm eating the ingredient, I don't know. I would read the ingredients. So as I'm, I, it's this is like my way of memorizing. I guess I'd look at the thing. So it says tarragon, and I'm eating tarragon, and I'm like, okay, I'm figuring out how to word associate to tarragon. So I'm associating a word and a, a flavor and experience. So it's 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 sensory, but it's also visual, and it's you're just matching it, and that's how that's how I taught myself food. <laughs> So, um, you know, something that's interesting is that, you know, I, I'm very aware of who's online or when people are posting. I'm just very conscious of social media sure. and the psychology behind it. So, and we don't have to get too much into this. I just want to know that it, it resonated with me. So, and maybe I didn't, it was missing you, but it seemed like you maybe weren't on as much and then you posted a video. Okay. Do you know what video I'm talking about? I think I know what video It was a pretty, about. it was pretty, uh, uh. I would say intense, but not oh, I know and, which one you're talking. Oh, feel free. Way. No, no, feel free. And not in a, and not in a bad way. And I remember like seeing it and just really. Wa- and I very seldomly watch ah. things because a lot of people online we know you're talking about this, are just like making things about them. Yeah. How can I take anything and make it about me? Yeah. It's like look at what great thing I'm doing, or why isn't anyone looking at any great things that I'm doing, or why I don't have any great things to do? But you kind of can't. Like I felt like it came from a very sincere place, and you were kind of really raw and emotional in this oh, Facebook yeah. video. Yes. Um, and it kind of came out of nowhere for me, oh, or as a viewer. I, I had no idea you wa- maybe maybe you commented. I don't even remember because it was last year. I think it was. Yeah, it was at least a year. Yeah, it was at least a. So so the video he's referring to is this was a video that I posted. Um, I didn't even post it on YouTube. I posted mm-hmm. it on my private Facebook page that I think maybe I have like I don't know how many friends on there. Yeah. Um. Some and and also is like some professional contacts and personal contacts. So I think I maybe have like twelve hundred friends on sure. there. So an audience of about that. But you know, Facebook algorithm. Who knows how many people? That's the other uh, thing. I'm like, who knows how many people are even going to see this? Yeah. And so yes, I and I'm and this is super important to me. Like the experiences I've gone through, especially over the last like five years, I'll say maybe like just honing in on that. Um, I'm not. It's been. It's been 
a lot. I've went through a lot and I'm really grateful for every single experience, even the most painful ones, because I look at where I'm at now and the knowledge and the experience and the empathy. Like it made me, the greatest gift it gave me is I feel that I can have empathy with any person. Like I, I think I have the ability to empathize with any person, even if they are like, this you can keep this in or cut it out but i like even in our political climate like i don't agree with what trump's doing at all but i can seriously still just like put that aside and be like okay he's still a human being he still has a family and and i feel like that's like not many people want to do that because how much what he's doing is affecting everybody's life and political rant however <laughs> let's go back to it um so so the video that you're referring to is um i i spoke openly in this video that's about eight minutes long about my struggle with depression and anxiety. Um, and I had been hiding it for a long time because I only knew how to present one version of myself to everybody. And that was the bubbly, the one you met, the one everybody saw on YouTube. And actually, um, in 2013, I had, it's on my channel still, I have a video called Why Am I Depressed? And I posted that. And it was interesting because it happened right before I took UCB 101 and honestly, you after, got more depressed after you see one on one. I got so depressed after that yeah. because I you're took, not the only one. So they're just like, well, I took you. the accelerated. Yeah. I took the two week. Yeah, that's tough. Oh. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, especially being a homeschooled, homeschooled so only child right. from Studio City who was just thrown into everybody wanting to make it about them mm. and nobody doing the approach of building bricks. No. Nobody was doing that. They were all making it, not all, I can't say that. There were some people in there, you know who you are, yeah. <laughs> who might be listening and you guys were great. But the other people, mm, um, It's a mixed bag. It's exactly yeah. a mixed bag. So yeah, the, but there is a video that I posted in 2013 called My, Why Am I Depressed? And I got comments on that video that said, you're not depressed. You're this, you're that. And so that made me shut down even more subconsciously. I was like, oh, I'm not depressed. You don't even know your own thoughts. No. You know what I mean? Like no. when people are telling you. And they're not... saying, no, no, you, yeah, you're exactly. They're saying, mm -hmm. no, you don't know your own thoughts. No, I know. You, you're not depressed. Right. And then I'd say, yeah, so why should I be depressed? I'm a, I'm a, an attractive, born an attractive white woman that grew up in the studio city in America with all the opportunities to me. I should have absolutely no reason to be depressed. And I shouldn't, except that's not the way depression works. No. Depression works where you do not want to get out of bed right. for months. And that's what happened. Yeah. There'd be days I'd sit on my couch and I would just be in this like fog, this haze. And I'd be like, why do I not want to live right now? Mm -hmm. Honestly, like I'm, I'm, I can. I am happy to go as real as, you know, because I feel like we need this, especially in this teenage, especially with everything that's going on. And that's now a huge part of what I want my platform to be about is real social media. And and I'm happy, so happy. I mean, I'm conflicted because the things that are happening to get us to this point of it becoming this mm -hmm. are tragic. And I literally sobbed for 30 mm -hmm. minutes when I found out about Bourdain. Yeah. Sobbed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's tough it's tough because yeah. i wanted to meet him so badly yeah. and um you know he and, and alton brown are my yeah. two big ones yeah. um and i've met alton brown and yeah. that was really cool um and i messaged alton brown the day of that yeah. and i was just like i'm so sorry for your loss i can't even imagine um 
but yeah, I feel like it comes at a time where we need it. We need it so much. And, um, I think it's just, it's kind of meant to be because it's, it's what my struggle, what I've gone through. So yeah, that video, um, (laughs) I could go on tangents. Yeah, I just, it was, it was a thing where it's, it was, yeah, it was, I think just listening to it, because you, it's, it's the stupidest thing, but when you feel, when you feel like that, you feel like I'm the only one who feels like this right now. 100%. Everyone else has got it worked out. The grass is greener everywhere else, (laughs) but where I am, but when you hear someone else, um, and they're saying the same things you are, and they have it, they, you might think they have it all, or it's just like, well, they have a brand new car, like, and then what makes me worry is kind of like, Oh, if I just get this, I'll be happy. There's like, but then I'm nervous about is what happens if I get that and I feel exactly the same. And can I tell you, that's what happened. Yeah. I leased a Range Rover last year. Yeah. I had a Honda Civic for nine years. I broke up with my boyfriend, and two days later, I went into the Encino Range Rover dealer, Land Rover dealer. And in five five hours later, I walked out with the keys to a 2017 Range Rover, yeah. and put no money down and got the whole thing. And I was like, this is great. And then I still went through like three different depression cycles. Yeah. You still so have the Range Rover? I still have the Range Rover. Well, all right. And you know what I'll say? Even on the worst days, it's a little bit better when you're driving around yeah. a car like that. I've never owned a brand new car in my entire I life. I hadn't either. Yeah. I hadn't so. either. It's, it's great, but it certainly will not make you happy. No. It will enhance. You can take pictures of yourself that make with it that makes you look happy yeah. though. So you you know what it is? It's not about the car. It's about who's riding in the car with you. Yeah. That's really what it is. Yeah. That's really what it is. So what's next for you? <laughs> world domination. <laughs> okay. Well, before that. <laughs> um, bringing the world together. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, and what I wanted to say, really important, is um, the reason I did that video, and I have to shout her out because I know she was already on your podcast, mm-hmm. Tara Erickson. Mm-hmm. She and I went out for lunch. She was the only person that I felt that I could pull myself mm-hmm. together to, to go see. And I sat with her in Silver Lake, and I told her what was going on. And she said, you know, maybe just make a video. She's like, options, levels to this. Maybe just make it for yourself. And if you feel comfortable doing that, then just send it to me. And then if you feel comfortable with that, post it online. And that's the video. I actually sent it to her yeah. first. And she oh. said, this is great. I think you should post it. So I love – well, I love her. So I, I, had, I, I, had I had a good person on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Without even me knowing it. Yeah. No, she's, I, she's no, one she's of my yeah, favorite yeah, people. Cool. And she has a show that's going on right now, Alexa Turn Off Heartbreak. And I, she, it's great. I've seen it. She's awesome. I love her. Yeah. Uh, well, I, listen, I'm excited. Every time, like, you're one of those people when you, like, this is my, I'm just going to kind of end it, like, yeah. this. when, uh, you see people online, but when you, when I see, like, you post something or say something, it's always a very kind of refreshing thing. <gasps> That's such a compliment. Because there's a lot of noise. Yeah. And, uh, I'm curious, I'm curious about everybody. I look at everyone's stuff. Of I'm course. just curious. I just you're a know. curious person. I'm a curious person. Yes. And I, I am learning from it because I like to understand the psychology behind social media. Same. Uh, just because I like to just know, but when you kind of you know, come out there, it's a very like, I, I I don't sense it's coming from a place of like, look at me. Thank you. Like, what can I get out of this? It's it's really just Ugh. like, hey, you know. That's really refreshing yeah. to hear, and honestly, sure. that means. I just wanted to say that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It means a lot because that's always been the goal, mm. and you never know if that's how it's coming across unless somebody says it. So thank and you. And then you're afraid to put yourself out there because you're like, oh, I don't want to come across like too. And that's why I haven't posted every day on YouTube. Some yeah. people post every day. I'm like, I don't know if everybody's going to want to see me every day. That's too much, Amy. Sometimes you don't want to see yourself every day. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're me, that's what it is. <laughs> that's how I feel. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to see me yeah. every day. There's all these people in the world, so. Yeah. 
Oh, that is, is that your big message? There's all these people in the world? <laughs>